come from Philippians chapter 4 10 through 13 Philippians 4 10 through 13 Paul thanks the Christians I am very happy in the Lord that you have shown your care for me again you continue to care about me but there was no way for you to show it I'm not telling you this because I need anything I have learned to be satisfied with the things I have and with everything that happens. I know how to live when I am poor, and I know how to live when I have plenty. I have learned the secret of being happy at any time in everything that happens. When I have enough to eat and when I go hungry. When I have more than I need and when I do not have enough. I can do all things through Christ because, because he gives me strength. Thank you, Bruce. We have a few, uh, a few things to get into before our lesson this morning. Uh, I've been asked to pray for a couple people and would like us just to take a moment to remember them in our prayers. Uh, Suzanne Russell's father, Albert Bromley, uh, is in the ER right now, and they'd ask that we would pray for them. And also, uh, Abby Austin is having surgery this morning in Huntsville, and they had asked that we would pray for them. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind uh, bowing your heads, and let's just go petition our Father on their behalf. Dear God, Lord, we thank You. We thank You for being our God. Lord, we thank You for the hope that You bring into our lives. And Lord, this morning we, we come to You on behalf of people that are dear to us and dear to our families. Lord, we ask You would be with Mr. Bromley. We ask that the doctors might be able to tend to his needs and that he might be healed. That he might be able to continue with his way of life. Lord, we ask this morning that You would be with Abby and be with the doctors that are caring for her. And Lord, we ask that, that the infections might be taken out of her body and that she might be able to thrive as she always has. Lord, we ask You to be with the families that are caring for them, that You would strengthen them, allow them to have a strength that truly depends and comes from knowing You. Lord, be with us this morning. Lord, help us to see the frailty of our own life. And Lord, out of that frailty, inspire us to turn to You, to Your Word, to Your power, and to Your strength to truly give us endurance in this life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to see you guys this morning. I, uh, I put on Facebook a picture of, of EU last week. 16, 700 people that were here in the packed out gym. And I've got a buddy of mine from, from a long ways away. He says, do you preach there every Sunday? Now, Shelly thinks I should correct him and tell him that that's not really what it looks like. But I don't think it hurts anything. Uh, I, have, I haven't decided uh, what, what, what to say yet. But I do want to say to you, thank you. Uh, thank you to everyone who worked, who sacrificed, who gave whatever you gave last week. Uh, it was truly a blessing. And as we talked about last Sunday night, it is a blessing for us as much as it is a blessing for anyone who comes. Uh, it is a, just a joy and a privilege for us. And I want to thank you for all of the hard work that so many of you put into making EU such a great thing last year and something that we can look forward to year after year. Uh, it is, it's a really special time. You know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what do you do 
when there's nothing that you can do? Now, what do you do when you look at your life and you realize this is just the way that it is? This is my new normal. Uh, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a season of life, uh, maybe it's a situation that you find yourself in, but you look around and you realize, I don't have a lot of good options. In fact, most of the options that I do see, they might actually make it worse. It's just going to be the way that it is, at least for the foreseeable future. Some people find themselves in their marriages. Some people find themselves with difficult children. Some people find themselves with health issues. Some people with financial issues. And even when you see a road that that, that might lead to recovery, you look right down that barrel and you realize it's going to be a long road. It's going to be a really tough road. Because this is what my life is going to look like for the foreseeable future. How do I respond in those situations? You know, I'm tempted to run. I'm tempted to say, just forget it all. Forget my family, forget, forget, my, forget my, the people that are around me, even at times to forget my God. I'm tempted to run. Some people leave relationships, some people drink themselves, some people drug themselves, some people just escape and they check out. But that's not really an option, is it? I mean, that, that, that doesn't make things better. Even if we believe in the moment that it will, most of us have enough sense to realize that's going to make things worse. Most of us have seen people that, that, that have left God and they've left their faith during those times, but I've never met one person who left God or left their faith who looked back and said, you know what, when I left God, when I abandoned my faith, that's when my life started to improve. I've never heard anybody say that. I've heard a lot of people that said, you know, whenever I turned my back on God, it just got worse and worse and worse. And it wasn't until I figured that out and returned to my God that it began to improve. We've talked over the last couple of weeks about understanding that it's in those moments that, that we, we're going to have these struggles. And we need to have this reminder that in those moments that God is not absent he is not apathetic and He's not angry at us. As a matter of fact, all throughout Scripture, we see people that God knew in, in a very personal and a very intimate way that God cared about and that God loved. But yet they still went through some really difficult and some really hard times. It's in those moments that we're going to have the option. We're going to have the option to, to, to choose, to embrace, to see those things as a gift from God. And I say, that, I say that as an option because I can't make you do that. You're going to have to come to that point on your own where, where, you, can, where you can learn to embrace those things. To, to, to truly believe that in the midst of these things that God truly does have a purpose. A purpose in things that seem so without purpose to us. To believe that God has made us some promises. Even in the midst of my new normal. I'm not talking about seeing God as, as we're standing here and we're singing uh, our, 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 our God is amazing, amazing grace beyond the azure. We're not singing. I'm not talking about seeing God there. I'm talking about seeing God in the midst of my hardship and my trial. One of the great blessings for us is that when we turn to the pages of the New Testament, the people who bring us the gospel, the people who bring us the good news, one of the real blessings is that they weren't, they weren't aware of this. 
They weren't people who lived up in ivory towers and they'd never experienced hardship and they never experienced trial. And so whenever they wrote about Jesus and hope and peace, it was like, yeah, but they didn't know what was going on in my life or in your life. That's not who wrote the New Testament. As a matter of fact, the New Testament was, was, was written by people who lived very hard lives. It was written by people who sacrificed and their Christianity cost them greatly throughout their lives. But yet they didn't seem to be conflicted about the hope that they had. They didn't seem to be overwhelmed about the peace that existed within their heart. They seem to understand something that I hope and I pray that we can, that we can come to understand as a church and as a body. That our God is there. And our God is working. We find statements like Paul made in, Philippi in Philippians chapter 4. When Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. Contentment is a funny thing, isn't it? You ever struggle to be content? Anybody ever struggle to be content? We went to Jackson last night and we looked at some new cars and I'm thinking, my car's still running, but I sure would like to have one of those. I'm struggling to be content. Some good things are happening, but I look and I say, I wish some other things would happen, some more good things. I'm struggling to be content. In a world where, where everything on the outside seems like it's spinning out of control, how can, I, how can I have peace? How can I have peace that is on the inside? Because Paul says there is a, there is a way. There is a way to find contentment. Now understand, as Paul writes these things, where, where does he write them from? Is he on a writer's retreat? I've got some buddies and they like to write and they go on these nice little writer's retreat and they go off to the Smoky Mountains and they get in one of these little condos and, and, and they're, they're up there in the beautiful majesty of the mountains and, and they've got all this food and they go eat pancakes and, and they see their friends get together and, and they, it's just a great and a wonderful and a pleasant time and they just write and, and, get, and get together with God. When Paul writes about contentment, is, is, is that where he's at? Is he on vacation somewhere? You know, is he off at, is he off at some Disney resort that they send me an email about every other day? Is, is that where he's at? No. Paul's under arrest. Paul's, Paul's under house arrest. Best we can tell, Paul is in prison of some, of some sort. He can't go anywhere. He's not free to get, to get in his car and go down to Walmart. He's not free to, to get into, to get into, he didn't have a car. He's, he's not free to get in his chariot and, and go down and, and visit with this person or with that person. He's under arrest. We go into the jails on Wednesday night and, and, we, and we meet with those guys and it just, it just hits me like a ton of bricks every time I go, every time I go in there. You don't get to leave. They can't leave. They haven't moved since last week. Same time, same place, right? Same bat channel. I mean, just over and over and over. That's where they're going to be. You think that's tough? When we went in last Wednesday night, we were a little bit delayed. And we were delayed because there had been a fight. There had been a fight. And I made some joke when I went in my pod about, you know, well, I heard there was a fight back here. And this, this guy looked real gruff. And he said, yeah, that was in this one. And I thought, okay, is this where... <laughs> They've gotten in a fight, they said, because 
They're in the same little confined space day after day and hour after hour. And basically what he said is, I got sick of looking at him. You ever get sick of just looking at somebody? Right? Because I just got to get away. I got to get out of the house. Guys, if your wife ever tells you she just needs to get out, go. All right? Just get out. That's where Paul is. He's under arrest. But Paul, Paul is not one of these guys that's just kind of, you know, well, you know, that'll be all right, and we'll just relax, and, you know, we'll just see what comes. Some, some of you guys, are, you're, 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 you can be kind of passive about some of those things. No, Paul, is, he's, the, he's an ambitious guy, right? Paul's a get it done. We, we got work to do. We got, you know, we got one, Miss Debbie makes lists all the time. We got, we got a list, and we got to get all this stuff going, and we got to get work done, and we can't sit, we got to get it done, except I can't go anywhere. So what's Paul going to do? Starts writing. Starts writing to all these churches. Right? Paul's, Paul's been to Savannah. Paul's been to Selmer. Paul's been, I'm going to write a letter to these churches and I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to challenge them. We talk about these as, as the prison epistles. Right? They're the letters, an epistle, that Paul wrote while he was in jail. Ephesians, Philippians, uh, Colossians, Philemon. As Paul wrote those letters, you know what he probably didn't know? He probably didn't know that those letters were going to become, were going to become some of the most influential literature in the history of the world. That's what they were going to ha- that's what's going to happen. My daughter writes letters. She, she does this little pen pal thing. She's going to give a speech at 4-H tomorrow about being a pen pal. And how, how she writes letters and she doesn't want me to talk about her. But, but anyways, but, but, but she does this. But you know what? It's very unlikely that any of those letters are going to be carried around by someone 2,000 years from now. Very unlikely. When you write a letter, when you type an email, do you figure, this, this is going to go on, this is going to go with me, Dakota, for the rest of my life? Probably not, right? As soon as they read it, they're going to get rid of it, and that's all. But that, that's not what happens with the letters that Paul wrote. God's going to use those letters to shape and to mold the church for millennia. To this very day, this morning, we're gathered here together in this place giving attention to the Word of God that Paul delivered in those letters. In his mind, I can't really do anything here. What we know has happened is that Paul ends up changing the world. He had no idea what hung in the balance with his faithfulness. What hung in the balance with Paul's faithfulness? If Paul had just said, I give up, I quit, I, I, I'm ready to check out, I'm ready to run, I've served the Lord, and this, and this is the result of it, well, why should I continue to do these things? What hangs in the balance of Paul remaining faithful and Paul saying, I can't do what I used to do, but I can do these things, and I'm going to change my approach, and I'm going to change my ministry. And he begins to write, we hang in the balance. The church hangs in the balance. Paul didn't even know that. I'm sure Paul thought he was doing something important, but I don't see any way he could have understood the importance of what he was doing. He had no idea what it was that God was doing through him. This morning, as you think about your new normal, you, you, think, about, you think about that thing that, that you're struggling with, that, that there's really nothing you can do about it. I want to challenge you this morning with the idea that you really have no idea who or what hangs in the balance of your faithfulness? You see, it's not just your moment. It's not just your situation. It's not just your new normal. We serve a God who interconnects all of us. 
when everything around us says that we should turn away, do we realize that God can and has worked those things for great good? The reality is you'll never know. You will never know unless you remain faithful to God. We back up just a verse to verse 10. Paul writes to the church at, at Philippi. That's all this is, right? Just like the church at Savannah, the church at Philippi. Paul's writing to them. And, and, and he, says, he says in verse 10, that, that, I was, that I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Paul is under arrest. Well, when the church at Philippi found out that Paul was in prison, they loved Paul, didn't they? They loved him. I mean, not everybody loved Paul, but the church as a whole, they loved Paul. Paul had been, he'd been there in the beginning. Paul was one of the founders of the church at Philippi, right? When he made that Macedonian call, he's the one that, that, that in many ways, delivered the gospel to those people. They loved him. They, they, they cherished him. And they found out he's in prison somewhere because he's been preaching the gospel. That's why he's there. What would be our response if we found that out? We've been praying for a lady, I don't even know her name, but she's the wife of someone who used to preach in this area. And many of you love that person, and you've been praying for that person. There's a connection with that person, right? What would your response be? What would your response be if we got up this morning and, and we announced that Jim Shambly has been arrested in Dyersburg, Tennessee because he, was, because he was having a Bible study with somebody? Quit laughing, all right? What would, what would the response be? You'd have concern, wouldn't you? Can we help? Can we pray? Can we do something? Can, can, can we encourage? And so they, well, they basically they send him a care package. They send support. They send support. He's not in some country club prison going on here. He's dependent upon these things. And Paul, and Paul gets it and, and, he, and he says, I'm thankful for this. And not only am I thankful for this, I'm going to use this gift that you've sent to me. I'm going to make a point out of it. See, Paul was a preacher, right? And you never, you never, let, you never pass up a good crisis, right? You, you, you take opportunity to make a point. And so Paul keeps, keeps writing it as he thanks him. And he says, in verse, he says in verse 11, it's not that I speak from want. See, the, the, the difficult thing is that sometimes when, when people begin to thank us, it's almost like, well, what do they want now? Are they asking for something else? Are they asking for something in addition? Right? Um, missionary comes in the back door and he comes to worship with us on Sunday night. What are you thinking? What does he want? Eddie, what does he want? He probably wants some support. Well, you know, I thank you for the support. I sure would like some more support. And yeah, we, we understand that. You know, all these things take money. But Paul's saying, that's not why I'm writing this. Okay? Off the table, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not speaking from want. I want to tell you why. It's because I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. Paul says, I've learned it. It does not come natural. Contentment does not come natural. If it did, we wouldn't struggle with it. Discontentment, that comes very natural. Even for the Apostle Paul, he was a human being. He says, I've learned these things. I've learned. I've learned how to, how to keep it from dragging me down. I've learned how to keep it from stressing me out. I've learned how to keep myself from running away when that's exactly what I want to do. 
He says, I've learned that. Can I ask you this morning, is that something you'd like to learn? Would you like to learn the secret to contentment? Not just the secret to contentment when everything is going well, but the secret to finding contentment even in the midst of a great trial or a great storm? Does that make you want to lean in and say, well, I want, I want to hear more about this. Are there things you'd like to learn in life? I was thinking about this this morning. I was up and I was thinking about what he was saying here. I would really like to learn how to do stained glass. And I don't even know why. I've always been fascinated by, by, by people that can make, make stuff out of stain. I'd like to learn that. And if somebody came in here and they said, we're going to have a, a session on, on making stained glass windows, I'd show up. Okay? I'd like to learn how to work on cars. I, I, look, at, I look at guys like, like, like John back there and, and I think, I'd like to know what he knows. Because I can't, I'm interested in that. Are you interested in learning the secret to contentment? And I think we all are. And Paul is saying, I've learned some of these things. I've learned, I've learned something that works 100% of the time. 100% of the time. So we want to stand back and we want to say, yeah, but, but let me tell you my story. Right? And if you told me your story, I'd look at you and I'd say, I see why you're, why you're struggling. Right? Some of you got some stories and some of those stories are doozies. Right? I got some of those same stories myself. We all have them. Paul says, I want to tell you about something that works 100% of the time when there's nothing that you can do. Paul is not apathetic here. Paul is, not, Paul is not disconnected. Paul is not the guy who just stands back and says, eh, whatever, you know, everything will work out okay. That, read Paul. That's not who he is. Paul says, I've learned something. He says, I've learned how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any way and in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and of going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. See, this, this thing gets us from both ways. We all understand about, you know, when things are going rough and when things are going difficult, why, why that threatens our, our discontentment in life. But do we also realize that there are a lot of people who have everything and they're still not content? It always amazes me that these people that, you know, they're multimillionaires and they're celebrities and, and the world is in love with them and they are some of the most depressed people on the face of the, world, on the, face of the earth. Why? They're struggling. They're struggling. Have you ever, have you ever thought, if, if only this, right, God, if this would happen or if that would happen, then I could be happy. Then I could be content. Then I could never have another one in the world. You ever thought that? Have you ever thought that? And then you actually got the thing that you thought would make you happy. And you've got it right now. And you're saying, I'm still kind of struggling with this. Why? That's what Paul's saying. The answer is not all our problems going away. That's never going to happen in this world. The answer is deeper than that. The answer is stronger than that. Both of having abundance and suffering needs. You know the secret because you know the passage. But I want us to think about it this morning. Here's what Paul says he's had to learn. Not just memorize, although that's a good place to start. He said to learn it. He's had to learn to embrace this. He's had to learn to remind himself of this. He's had to learn to, to make positive choices in his life, to focus his life around this. Here is the secret of contentment. Here is the thing that God has that every one of us needs to understand. Here it is, verse 13. I 
can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now, there's probably not a person in this room who's never heard those words before. Some of the most well-known words in all the Bible. We see them everywhere. Paul says if you get to the depth of that, if you get to the bottom of what that is saying, you can have contentment. When all the world seems to be spinning out of control, you can have a peace that passes all human understanding if you get to the depth of it. Don't satisfy yourself with the superficiality of, of where our culture goes with that. You go to the depths of what Paul is saying there. I can do all things through Christ or through Him who strengthens me. Can I tell you what that doesn't mean? And, and I don't think this is wrong, but, but I think this is one reason that we struggle at getting deep with this. We think it means this. We think it means a banner that you put up at a, at a, at a high school football game because we're going to go out there and we're going to win the district championship. Evander Holyfield, right? The, the professional boxer. He used, to have this, he used to have this embroidered on his, like, on his big robe that he went out. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God is going to make me so strong and so amazing that, that I can defeat anybody. Except he got old and he stopped defeating people. I don't know what this high school football team won or not. I, I, I really don't know. Paul says, God must say, as, as you look at this a well-meaning, probably a Christian high school where, where this comes forth. Paul sits from his prison cell and, and I can't help but think he must think, really? Is that really all you think this means? If so, you're going to miss the depth. That's, that's why we're missing the secret of contentment. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not talking about winning something. I'm talking about surviving something. I'm talking about enduring something. I'm not talking about winning a trophy to put on your shelf. I'm talking about, about enduring to the end to that heavenly award. I'm not talking about being so strong that nobody can stop me. I'm talking about, as I sit here in prison, I'm talking about fighting for my life. That's the secret. The secret of contentment wherein I depend upon my God. And I depend upon His strength. That's the secret. That's really no secret at all. But it's a secret because, because we miss it. Why we continually rely upon ourselves, and I'm going to fix this, and I'm going to do this, even even what I'm going to do to myself. Paul says I have to learn to depend upon God, and I have to learn to depend upon His strength. When I do that, and only when I do that, only when I take my cares and my anxieties and my concerns, and you got them right, and I take them and I cast them upon Him. I'm not just talking about God be with me. I'm talking about casting them upon God. Turning them over. Embracing, embracing the idea that I am not strong enough. 
Embracing the idea, as we talked about last Sunday, that apart from Him, I can do nothing. I don't like to embrace that. That makes me uncomfortable. I think it probably made Paul uncomfortable too. Because he was a get-it-done guy. But when he began to understand it's about the strength of God... That's when I can be fine on the inside even though the world all around me has lost control. I'm done pretending like I can. I'm done pretending like I can fix it. I can't fix it. I can't overcome. Who's strong enough to endure what Paul endured in his life? Being under house arrest is just the tip of the iceberg for some of the things that Paul endured. Who's strong enough for that? I'm going to admit it right up front. I'm not strong enough. But I serve a God who is strong enough. Of situations of life. I go home from work and I never know who's going to be there. See, because there are about three different versions of my wife. There are about three different versions of my husband. I don't know which one's going to greet me at the door. I don't know if I can do this. My health is not good. Got surgery scheduled this week, next week, coming weeks, maybe the first of many surgeries. And, and they've got a plan, but, but it's going to change everything. Best case scenario, my life's going to be really different. How do I respond to that? I'm pregnant and I'm not married. I've sinned. I found myself in this bad situation. I have regrets. I have sorrow. I've asked God to forgive me. But here I am. And there's a baby on the way. How do I deal with that? You, you strong enough to deal with that? You strong enough to, to handle You're not. No one is. Paul says the secret is to depend upon God. The secret is to depend upon God. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And I rack my brain to think about, well, what, well, what does that mean? Like, what, what, is, what, what does that mean when I said that God will strengthen me? And I, I don't actually know. I don't know that I have the words beyond the fact to say that, that God is literally going to do something when we depend upon Him. He is going to do something. That's the promise. And it may not be something I understand. It may not even be something I can perceive or see or notice. But it's that faith that says, He's working. When the nation of Israel stands before the sea and they're grumbling and complaining and saying, we ought to go back to Egypt and be a slave. And the army's coming across and the sea's on the other side. And, and, and Moses, Moses just says, God's going to act while you are quiet. While you hold your peace. While you shut your mouth. That's when God's going to act. When there are thousands of people to be fed and you can't feed them. You'll try. Some of you ladies would try. If we, you know, if we, if we thought there are a thousand people come, there, there's, there's, some of you ladies, you could make a den in it, right? But you can't do it. I need something beyond me when I'm being punished for doing what is right. Somebody, somebody put on their Facebook last night, one of our members, they said, why is it so hard to do what's right. Why is it so hard to do what is right? You ever ask that question? It's hard. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. 
Memorize it, but don't just memorize it. Think about it, but don't settle for that surface understanding. Go deep with your dependence upon the very strength of God. Can I ask you this morning, what's your thing? I mean, a lot of you have shared it and it's pretty interesting and pretty enlightening, but, but what's the thing that stirs the discontentment in your heart more than anything else? What's the, what's the thing that takes your stomach and it just puts it in knots? And you want to do something, but you don't know what to do. If you did know what to do, you would do it, but you just feel helpless in that thing. But it doesn't seem like that thing is going to change anytime soon. What is it for you? Whatever it is, I mean, whatever's in your mind right now, I want us to understand that that thing is at the very epicenter. It's at the very middle of where God has the potential to do the greatest work in your life. Paul's under arrest. How are we going to remember Paul? He's going to write some letters. And they're going to change the world and shape the church. For 2,000 years, I can do all things, even from a jail cell, even under a situation that I've brought upon myself, even under things that are unfair, even under things that are completely unpleasant. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you hear people talking about God and what God has done in their life and they tell these stories that are so inspiring and so filled with life and so filled with hope, what kind of stories do they tell you? Do they tell you about how everything was perfect in their life and then God just made it a little bit better? Well, you know the ones that tug at your heartstrings are the ones, are the ones where they look at their wretched life and they see how Christ redeemed them. Those are the times where God will show His power. Those are the times. May I, may I suggest this morning that we have no idea? We have no idea what great things can come from our faithfulness. What difference our faithfulness can make. What our faithfulness, what will hang in the balance of whether or not we remain faithful or not. And we will never know unless we remain faithful. Be encouraged. Be encouraged no matter what you face or no matter where you are. That you can endure. Not just you can put a trophy on a shelf or win a ball game. I hope you do those things. But you can endure if you will put your trust in God. Because He is the one for whom we can do all things. Whatever you face this morning, I want to encourage you to give your life to Christ. Come and be baptized into His death. Friends, that's, listen to me, that's where the power is. Come and walk in His light because that's where the strength is. Come and throw yourself upon His throne of grace and mercy and strength and change the world. Change your eternity as we stand and sing.